Welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Christians often struggle to talk about areas of deep hurt like trauma or abuse, shame or betrayal. These are deep soul wounds. Friend, Christ came to not only heal us from our sin, but from our soul wounds as well. My name is Kristen Klaus and I'm a licensed professional counselor and author. And my guest and I are here to walk with you on your healing journey. We see you and hear you. Friend, if you hang with me, apply these truths to your life, you will be on your own path to a fully restored story. Grab your coffee, tea, or favorite drink, and let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Klaus, and you're listening to the Fully Restored Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my guest, Denise Bowens. Denise experienced tragic loss as a child, which impacted her relationship with God and led her to a downward spiral of destructive behaviors as she was growing up. Denise's story is going to inspire you. It's going to encourage you and give you hope for healing and full restoration in your own life journey. Welcome, Denise, to the Fully Restored Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Oh, it's an honor to have you. So, Denise, tell us a little bit about yourself, the work you do in your family. Sure. Well, I live in uh, Longview in the East Texas area. I'm married and have two daughters, and I've got eight grandkids, so it stays pretty busy around here. But um, I have been honored to get to be a ladies Christian speaker. I go around to different events and churches to speak and just to share hope to ladies. And um, I've been leading Celebrate Recovery for a little over 12 years now. I'm a ministry leader there with that program. I also am involved with Graciously Broken, which is a one-year Christian-based recovery program here in the, uh, the Longview area as well. I love to do missions. I'm so excited about that. God has just uh, given me so many opportunities to go to different places. I've been to Haiti many times in Africa, just got back from Macedonia. And so it's just crazy where God has brought me from. And uh, sometimes I just sit back and I just, I just can't believe that I am where I am today. And so it's really exciting to uh, get to come on and just to share some hope with those that are listening today. Mm, I love that, how all the things that God is doing in your life. And so, and you shared, you know, that where God has brought you from. So share your story, Denise. Let's take us back to your childhood. I mentioned that at the beginning. So take us back to your childhood and share with us your story. Yeah. So when I was about six years old, my dad was killed in an explosion at his, at his workplace. And I was the only child. My mom and dad were the the sweethearts at school. Everybody knew they were going to get married and be together and had been together for many years prior to their marriage. So the day that we get the knock at the door that my dad was killed, uh, life just changed completely in a second. And at that age, to be honest, I don't remember very much of that time. I remember uh, that I was gone. Uh, my mom had me leave with someone for a little while. And when we came back home, there were many cars in our driveway and everything. And I just remember as a child that I knew then something wasn't right. And as I walked in the door, my grandmother met me and she said, uh, Denise, uh, your daddy has gone on to heaven and he's with Jesus now. And I don't think at that moment, I really, I really grasped that at the time. And 
But anyway, moving forward, when I was, um, I guess, around 10 years old, my mom was remarried, and she married a man who I don't believe she knew at the time, but he was an alcoholic. And this was not uh, something we had had in our home before. My mom and my dad were both Christians, loved the Lord, and we were in a Christian home. And all of a sudden, a few years later, as my mom remarries, everything's just different. And so he never hurt us physically, but he was very verbally abusive, always made me feel like I wasn't good enough. I couldn't do anything right. Absolutely, we had good times. But at that age, it just seemed in my mind it was we had worse times than good times. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in all of that, I was 10 years old and I had some, I was spending the night at some friend's house and the people across the street were drinking and we went over and I drank and all of a sudden I wasn't unhappy anymore. You know what? I was relaxed. I was laughing and I thought everything was good. And that became my way of coping with my new lifestyle, my new family and how everything had changed. And so there was a lot of anger that I had towards God at that time as well. And just was just confused and lost. I kept everything into myself. And, and like I said, it was just time in my life that I was just very upset. I felt like I got dealt a, a bad hand. And so that was you at 10 years old. So through your teen years, did that continue to grow? Did that continue to build? What happened over those teen years? Yeah, so I went on and to junior high. And when I got into junior high, I started drinking a little bit more. Of course, at 10 years old, you can't drink too much or I couldn't. I mean, my mom was a very good mom and our home was very strict. Um, they didn't let me just stay out all hours of the night or anything. I think just at that age, that's when it was introduced to me. And I realized that was a way to cope and a way to escape. And then as I got into high school, I started just experimenting with marijuana and popping some pills here and there, ended up doing different types of drugs. And I loved going to school not to be educated or any of that, but I loved hanging out with my friends and getting just escaping my home and escaping life with, like I said, what it, basically anything I could get my hands on, I was not picky. I would use just about anything. I started working when I was 15 and I started working at Winn-Dixie and started making my own paycheck and I kind of had a chip on my shoulder that I don't need help from anybody. I'll do what I want to do when I want to do it. and I'll take care of myself. I don't need anyone and was continually drinking and using. And just as I got older, as I uh, how I graduated high school, I have no earthly idea that I graduated and by the time I graduated, I was actually selling drugs at school to support my habit. And um, I never was in it really, really deep. I mean, I, yes, I used all the time. But uh, as I graduated high school, that's when the harder drugs came. And that's when my addiction got deeper and started experimenting with harder drugs like uh, meth and crack and different things like that. And so it just progressed. Uh, when I was 20 years old, I got pregnant. And that is what God used to really get my attention. When I found out I was pregnant, I stopped everything. Just cold turkey, stopped it all. And that is only by the grace of God that I was able to do that. And after I had my daughter, actually, I, I did marry the man, the father, and we were married for four years. But after I had my daughter, I just started right back where I left off. And I was a functioning addict. I always had a good job. 
And on the outside, everything looked okay. I was happy, and or it seemed to be. And I wanted to have a good life with my daughter and my husband, and uh, but I didn't really love him. I just married him because I was pregnant. So, of course, there was dysfunction there as well, but we just used together. It wasn't until later on, about, I guess I was around 25, 26 years old, that my mother started inviting me to come to church. And then that's where everything changed for me. So let's pause there for a moment. Um, You know, one of the things that your story, you know, as a counselor and working with um, individuals from trauma and abuse, you know, everything that you went through starting from when you were six years old, starting with the loss of your dad. And were you okay that your grandma was the one that told you? Was that planned that your grandma would tell you that your your dad had passed away? I do believe that it was planned. Um, okay. Like I said, I was the only child. Okay. My mom's family, all of them lived in the Dallas area and were not here uh, okay. at that moment. And my grandmother that told me was actually my dad's mom. You know, I think I was okay with that. I, I don't, honestly, I've never even thought about that until you just asked me. That wasn't really an issue for me. After she told me, she took me back to my mom and my okay. mom was laying in the bed and she was just a total wreck. And I remember looking at her and just seeing such brokenness and hurt. And yeah. just as a child, I just remember looking into her eyes and I can tell you, I don't remember really anything after that moment. I think I just kind of um, stepped into a denial, a coping mechanism to, you know, I'm not a counselor, but I just know that that was a point in my life where I just, everything was just blocked out. Yeah. You went numb. You went numb, right? Yeah. 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 I would like to say this though. I had a teacher. And so any teachers that are listening out there today, I just want to tell you, when you think your students aren't paying attention, they are. And um, I had a teacher that came over to our house in the middle of all that, that day when I found, when I was told, and she came and asked permission from, I don't know if it's my mom or grandmother or what, but she actually got me and she took me from the house where all these people were coming in. Um, My dad worked at a big corporation, a big plant here in Longview, and there was lots of people coming and going and she took me to her house and uh, I don't remember anything other than being with her. I remember being at her home. I remember that it was a place of escape for me and it seemed like a good thing at, at the time. And I still believe that it was, but I also think that from then on, that's what I would try to do when things were bad. I always wanted to escape it. That's a really good point because, you know, I didn't ever think of that from the child's perspective, because I'm thinking, okay, sh- they're doing to get you out of kind of the chaos and the conversations of the adults, because you said everybody from your dad's business, the corporation were coming over and here you're six years old. They're trying to protect you and, and have you with somebody else. But then that became a way of survival is I need to escape this chaos. I need to escape. You know, I'm thinking as you get 10 years old, your mom remarries, and he's not the type of guy that you guys, you know, he's not like how your dad was. He was an alcoholic. He was verbally abusive. And so you're trying to escape, trying to cope. That I felt safe when I escaped. 
or when I got pulled away, you know, and so I feel better when I can escape. And then that becomes a habit of how we cope is we've got to escape. And then you're getting more and more into different drugs to escape. And then here at 20 years old, you get pregnant. So there was anger. You mentioned anger. And do you know who that anger was directed at? Or did you just feel angry? Because it's common to just feel angry. Yeah, I know exactly. (laughs) This is a big part of my testimony is I was very angry at God. Uh, I knew that God existed. I knew who God was. At that point in my life, it wasn't until I was older and had my daughter till I actually came to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But I knew who God was. And I always make the comment, you have to know who God is to be mad at him. And I was mad at him. I felt like he took my daddy away. I felt like he didn't love me because if he loved me, he wouldn't have taken him. My dad was killed in an explosion on the job, and he was the only person out of hundreds and hundreds of workers to have to have died. In my mind, God didn't love me. I didn't matter to him. He took my daddy away. And I just remember even yelling out to God as in my teenage years, young adult years, I would go to the cemetery and I would just yell out to God, just angry, you know, why did you take my daddy away? And why did you give me my stepdad? So I felt like it was almost like a double portion against me, a double portion of anger against me. And so I was very, I was very angry at at God. And then as time went on, I got angry with my mom because my dad was, my uh, stepdad was an alcoholic and there was always arguments and fights in the home. And I would just escape because again, I was the only child. I would go in my room and I would just sit there and, and just escape it all because And it seemed like I was always in the middle of my name was being brought up in those arguments. And I felt like my mom wasn't taking up for me very much. Now, as I got older, I come to know the Lord. I look at that entire situation completely different now than I did before. I know my mom was dealing with the loss of her high school sweetheart, her husband, her, you know, the love of her life. And then here she is in a marriage that she was not going to get out of. She was going to stay committed, but at the same time, trying to change the situation the best that she could. And, you know, my anger towards God was was gone as well as soon as I understood the love of Christ for me, for my family, for everyone. Life just changed completely. Absolutely. And the book that I've written, Healing for Our Soul Gardens, Restoration, Wholeness After Sexual Abuse. I actually have a lot of people that go through the book that have been through other types of abuse. It's a a group guide as well, so people can purchase it and do groups, which is kind of the meaning, the purpose behind it is to have churches have tools for people. But one of the chapters in there is about damaged spirit, and I talk about forgiveness and forgiving ourselves, forgiving God, and forgiving the person that abused us. You know, I remember having conversations with my editor about the forgiving God part because she's like, why do you need to forgive God if God is loving and God didn't do this to you? And and so she challenged me to write more in depth in that section about just what you're talking about, that we blame God and we get angry at God. And it's not that it's his fault, but we in our own thought process have to forgive God 
because we have put the weight and the blame upon him. If you're God, then why did you let this happen? And that was really what you were struggling with as a child and as an adult was about that. And as you came to Jesus, which you mentioned that there became a transition, a change. So let's step into that. Because the loss and the anger and the hurt and addiction and all of that, that's not the end of your story. So tell us about your fully restored story. Yeah. So I, I would like to piggyback on what you just said about the forgiveness of God, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Um, uh, because one of the biggest things I have learned, and it's only because of the love of Christ, as I study God's word, I understand that because God loves us so much, he has given us a free will. Yeah. Because of because of his love. Yeah. And as I come to know Christ as my savior, I actually understand that what happened to my daddy that day, yes, God did allow it. He allowed it because he does not make us do things. He loves us, so he allows us to choose. And we don't have time to go into the all the details, but everything that happened with my dad, uh, there were choices that were made that led up to that explosion that led up to my dad even being there that day. He was supposed to be off that day and he was called into work. Someone chose uh, whether they were sick or whatever didn't come in, but my daddy chose to go to work. The place that my daddy stood when the explosion took place, he wasn't even supposed to be standing there. He was trying to help out a new employee that was trained and he chose to walk out onto this tower in the big open area for this young lady, he was being a gentleman and he was trying to, he chose to do that. So there was a lot of choices that went into that. I think that it is, for me, it just helped me to understand how everything worked together yeah. uh, and how yeah. all of that came to be. Yeah. And that's actually what I talk about in my, in my book is about that, about free man's free will, because that's connected with us understanding what, you know, when we put blame on God, what the full depth of it is. And that, like, we could talk about that, Denise, for hours, couldn't we? <laughs> yeah, we could, yeah. but we want to leave people, people yes. with hope and restoring because I'm with you. Like, there is so much more to my life today. Um, all of those things, There, there's definitely been hardships and trials and struggles along the way. There, They are nothing in comparison to the joy and the the freedom and the fullness of God that I experience now. Like I said, when I first introduced myself and everything is, I look at where I am today and I just cannot believe that I actually get to go and speak to women and go to Christian events and do the things that I do. And all of that was found through Jesus Christ. My mother started inviting me to come to church on Sundays and I would go to make mama happy. I just felt the Holy Spirit calling me. I knew it was time to do something different, that I would walk out. I'd go back every now and then. And basically, long story short, it just came down to I was tired of being tired. And I wanted something different. And I surrendered to Christ. And I didn't know exactly what that meant for my life. All I knew is that I was tired of trying to do it on my own. I stayed clean for about two years on my own. And our pastor came to us and asked me if I'd leave Celebrate Recovery, that he wanted to bring it to our church. I told him, no, I didn't want to lead Celebrate Recovery. Didn't even know what it was, uh, but he was pretty persistent. And uh, here we are now going on 13 years, and I've been leading Celebrate Recovery ever since. 
And I've just found that through that, uh, God used that ministry to help me find restoration, to help me go through that forgiveness that you were talking about, to help me to understand God's free will, to help me to understand the love that Christ has for me. And um, my life has just been completely different uh, ever since. I've been truly blessed. Mm, Amen. So there's a statement that you use a lot, be bold, do it afraid. Tell us about that statement and why is that so important to you? I think we come across that God calls us to do a lot of things. Yeah. I believe that he does. And we see things and we want it sometimes. We want to do it, but we're scared to death. We're more afraid of what are people going to think? How am I going to look? Am I going to be able to be successful in it? We ask ourselves a million questions and we're scared. And I think the enemy uses that fear to keep us held down, to keep us in bondage. And God calls us to do things that pulls us out of that bondage, to out of that comfort zone. And I have learned in recovery to be willing to do whatever God asks me, even if I don't understand it, even if it just seems crazy to me to just do it. And so I was uh, sharing my testimony at a church one day and I saw this little sign and it said, be bold, do it afraid. And that was 12, 13 years ago. It was right when I started Celebrate Recovery and it just stuck. And every time I feel like God's calling me to do something or there's something I know that I need to do for my own myself, for my own sanity to find peace with God, but I'm afraid to do it. I just remember, you know, be bold, do it afraid, do it anyway. Do it even when you're scared. God's got you. He is. He sees you. He loves you. He is going to hold our hand and help us through it no matter what. Absolutely. And as you were talking, I was thinking about in Acts, somewhere between two, three, and four, when I think it was four, actually, when um, Peter is thrown into, I believe Peter and John were thrown into prison. Then they got released from prison. And this is when the disciples first started going and preaching about Jesus and ministering to people. And they got arrested and they got out. The people prayed for them. There was a group that prayed for them, their other followers. And when they got out, they were praying for boldness. God, give us boldness to be obedient to Jesus. And so I always think of that like, okay, there was a lot of reason to be fearful of what others would think because you could lose your life. You know, there was a lot of other things of why they needed to pray for boldness and how do we apply that to our own lives? You know, praying for boldness and do it afraid. And what are people going to think about me? Or some people it's, if I start going to church, what are people going to think about me? You know, if I start talking about my faith, what are people going to think about me? If I start living for Jesus, what are people going to think of me? Your life is really about somebody who pressed into God out of desperation of, I have to change. Like, I can't keep living this way. I have to change. And then through that, as you were pressing in, God began to transform you, right? Right. You know, at, uh, when I was going to church just a little bit here and there, I saw people who had a joy on their face. They had a smile on their face. Now, I will say, I go to church every Sunday. I love my church, but I don't care what church you go to. You're going to see people who you can tell love the Lord. And you're going to see people in church that look like they don't even know who the Lord is. They have this sad look on their face, like they've just been defeated and beaten up. But I would see these people with such a 
a joy on their face. And I thought, I want that. I want something different. I think that's why it is important that we we are bold and do it afraid, that we move forward and do the things that we know God has called us to do, because there are always people watching. And uh, God is going to use all of our mess to tur- and turn it into a message. He's going to use our past and turn it into good if we if we're just willing to let him, if we're willing to jump on board and be used to just to be his vessel and surrender, he'll take us places we never thought we would go. Absolutely. It's just crazy. To where you've gone to Haiti and numerous other places that you mentioned. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's just crazy. So with your life experience, Denise, and where you're at, where God's brought you through, what you've walked through, what are a couple of tips that you can share with our listeners as they're walking on their own journey of healing? Yeah, I think one of the things is, uh, first of all, don't give up. Sometimes we feel like we can't fight no more and we get so tired of the same things coming up over and over again. But one thing I have learned is you fight through the pain no matter what. You just keep fighting because it will pass. And another thing is, I think it's important for us to surround ourselves with people who know the Lord, first of all, who are strong in their faith, people who are going to tell us what we need to hear and not just what we want to hear. We need people that will speak truth into our lives because they love us and they want to see us get up out of the hole that we're in. They want us to to grow closer to the Lord. And then the last thing is really should be the first is the most important is I think we just need to trust the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our might. We give ourselves to Him and understand that He has a purpose for you. Whoever's listening right now, He created you for a reason. He wants to use you. He has great things in store for you. He has a He didn't create you just to get by. He created you to be used to glorify Him and to grow His kingdom. And it doesn't matter what we've done, where we've come from, how many mistakes we've made. The uh, crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ paid the debt for every bit of it, and you're free from it. And He wants to use you. He will turn our mess into a message every time if we will just surrender. Amen. Oh, those are great tips. So in the last couple of minutes here, what do you feel that God has put on your heart to tell people? that you are created by the Lord to be used, that you're God's masterpiece. As the Bible says, you're his workmanship. And I just feel like there are so many folks in the world just walking around feeling that they're not good enough. um, They're not important enough. They're not working hard enough. They're not doing good enough. And the Lord is more concerned about who we are than what we do. And I I say that because I know for me, my self-worth was at a very low point uh, that I always felt like I wasn't good enough or valuable enough. And that was a big thing for me that I had to, uh, the Lord had to bring me through and show me. And so the biggest thing on my heart that I love to tell tell people are, you are loved. God loves you. He died for you. He wants you, wants to use you. Mm, Amen. So Denise, how can people connect with you online? Absolutely. If you want to email me, my email is Denise, D-E-N-I-S-E at DeniseBowens.com. 
I make everything simple. I just put my name on everything. Uh, my website is denisebowens.com. You can look me up on Facebook. I have uh, my personal page is just my name, Denise Bowens. And then I have a speaker page, which is uh, Denise Bowens Speaker. Okay, great. I will be sure to have those on um, our show notes. So in the last few moments that we have, could you pray for our listeners today? I would love to. Thank you. Father God, I do lift up every person that is listening right now or who will listen in the future. Lord, I pray that you will um, let them feel your love, your strength, your power in a new and special way today. I pray that they will be encouraged by your strength and your power. Father, I pray if there's anyone listening today that just feels hopeless, that is just tired and feels like they can't do it anymore. Lord, I pray that they would and just uh, surrender to you today, that they would look up to you and they would grab hold to you and reach out to others that know you, that can hold their hand and help them along the way. I pray that you'd remind them that they are not alone. Father, if there's anyone listening that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray today will be the day that they talk to you about that and just make that a priority in their life to have a relationship with you. Father, we thank you for what you've done in our lives. We thank you for the choices that you have given us, that free will that you have given us. And Father, I pray that each one of us would choose you every time. Lord, thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Denise, for joining us today. Our show notes and all the links shared with us can be found at my website, fullyrestored.love or kristenklaus.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all of our shows. Here we are in season three, and it's pretty exciting. We would appreciate if you leave a rating or a review as well on whatever platform you're listening to us on. People look to those when they're looking for a new show to listen to. I want to stay connected with you. You can find me on both Instagram and my Facebook pages. Those are at author Kristen Klaus. I pray that this episode of the Fully Restored podcast minister to you, that you heard the hope of Jesus and that as Denise shared about how she turned to other things to cope and her healing came as she began to turn and surrender to Jesus, may those words speak life to you. May they encourage you and compel you to also surrender your life to Jesus. And remember, friends, nothing or no one is beyond restoration with our Jesus.